Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game call company that is legend by design. You can check them out at legendarygearusa.com. That's legendarygearusa.com. I'm George Lynch. I'm your host and call designer and the custom tuner for Legendary Gear. Our motto here is, if it's not good enough for George's lanyard, then it's definitely not good enough for yours. Well, this week episode, I get to talk to an old sad daddy buddy of mine from that we've known quite a while, and I've been blessed to do some hunts with him, old Philip Vanderpool, sad daddy, and uh, Philip's killed. If you ever got a chance to probably see his trophy room, and we'd all probably be uh, sick with envy. But Philip, welcome to our podcast, brother. Welcome. Uh, I appreciate that so much there, George. Um, hope y'all are doing well. And man, I am ready. I'm just sitting here on second, brother. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's talk about, uh, you know, a lot of people, if they don't know, I'm sure you, there's a big following they do know, but Philip, you, you go way back in the industry and, and I can remember at HS strut that, uh, you did so many hunts and, and so many videos, man, when the videos was, I mean, the big market, everybody was getting an HS video. I don't know how many videos you've been a part of but in between the filming and and actually killing on there but man you've made uh quite a name for yourself through the all the videos and filming in fact i can remember i can't remember if it was north american whitetail one of the magazines i really enjoyed an interview that they did with you regarding about people getting into filming and how to get started and, and the kind of equipment you were using and i've got to hunt with you and I'm telling you what, folks, If I, I know everybody gets a camera and they think that they can film and they're going to be a, a film crew, but I watch what you go through and the the technology and, and everything that it's a lot to it. And then that's not even the editing part, but um, there's a lot to it. And, I mean, you've got a lot of years behind that. Yeah, George, I'll tell you what, I was blessed to, you know, basically that's how I got into the hunting industry is through videography. I, I had already, you know, had some hunting skills, been hunting ever since I was four years old when I took my first squirrel uh, with a 22 uh, single, single action 22 lever action Ethica that my great grandfather gave to me. He actually got it before I was born, hoping that my mother would have his first great grandson, and she did. And he gave it to me when I was four years old. I've been hunting ever since, but videography is how I actually got in, uh, you know, and, and was blessed to hunt with, you know, Hunter Specialties, the HS Prime Primetime Buck Series, and, uh, you know, was in charge of all the camera and video equipment, and then got to hunt myself. So I was kind of a guy, Eddie Salter said a long time ago, he said, there's the man right there that wears both hats. And... What he meant basically is, you know, obviously behind the camera and in front of the camera, I've been blessed. And George, and and, and got to hunt with people such as yourself over the years and and share all these hunts and stuff. And it's just been a blessing. I I mean, any time that you can find a job that you love to do, you'll never have to work a day in your life. And I've been blessed. Well, that's a great attitude. And and it's great that you recognize that. And you know what? I can remember a lot of the old HS guys who hunted with you when you were filming. I think they had a nickname for you as the Lucky Horseshoe. <laughs> Greg Miller. Yeah, <laughs> you're Greg the Miller Lucky himself. Horseshoe. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I guess a lot of that is because I was with so many of those guys over the years. Rick White, Greg Miller, uh, uh, Craig Morgan. I, just so many of the guys that I can remember right off the top of the head that they shot their best buck with me behind the camera, you know, and, and it, you know, working as a, as a team, it was, you know, it, it makes you feel so good when people have good things to say about you and appreciate your work. Well, Philip, you know, you, you were born and bred in the hunting, you know, coming from the South, you came from a family and um, your dad was a hunter, wasn't he? Oh my gosh. You know, the reason I'm doing what I do and everything that evolves around me is because of my dad. And, George, we were very, very, very poor. We didn't have much. But I can tell you this, everything that we shot, 
and we took, we eat. I mean, and that's the truth, everything. I mean, that my dad was, you know, he wasn't a horn hunter. He was more of a meat hunter. And, uh, you know, it was fun that we got to go camping, and most of our camping, everything we did was on public land, and that's how I cut my teeth. And, and, and I hope I, I sound humble when I say this, but that's where I got my really good hunting ethics and everything was from my dad. And then hunting on public land is really what made me such a good hunter because everybody else was hunting the same areas. And as even as a young boy, George, I was very, very, I, I, it just, I was blessed in doing it. I'm not saying that I've ever been the greatest cameraman or the greatest hunter by no means, but I, I feel like that I've done the very best that I could do with what I had to work with. You know what, you brought up a great point, and, and, and it's my dad and that generation, of course, I kind of call the last of the great generation of men, but you, that's how I was raised. You know, we used to shoot our game, whether it's rabbit and squirrel, or we did a lot of pheasant hunting. My dad always had good English pointers, and I can remember we'd come home and throw our game jackets in the garage, and my mother, you know, a good Tennessee woman, she'd come out there and with a knife, and she'd be all happy, you know, if we had something, and she'd be out there cleaning our pheasants and cleaning the rabbits, and we just brought them home. But, you know, you talked about, um, you know, we, I was raised in Michigan, so the, the it was a holiday when opening day, November 15th, the opening day of deer season, kids missed school, and and uh, it was always, and, and in the earlier years, we didn't have deer in southern Michigan. It was a lot of the guys had to make the, the trip up to the upper peninsula or the upper uh, lower peninsula, you know, you, what we called the north north woods and it was a tradition and the old red wool uh clothes and i can remember my dad's old red the old mickey mouse boots and and stuff and it was uh you know they they shot a buck there was never you know how many inches or they shot a buck you got his buck and i can remember That's that right. we to you know to get a doe we had to put in for a, a, a like a lottery in michigan to get drawn for a doe permit and when you'd sit there and go with the mail and you got that doe permit, it was kind of exciting. Hey, I get to shoot a, a, an extra deer this year. I get to shoot a doe. And it just wasn't like today. And I don't know if it's the different management, but you shot one buck back then. And, you know, and it was, and I would say you're absolutely right. The, the hunt back then was more about the meat. And there was never no processing places. Uh, the family, we got together and dad hang, we, we hung the deer and we all go out there and dad watch him skin it. And then we all had our part cutting and wrapping and, and uh, grinding and, and burger. And it's just, it's, it is, it was a, it's a different life today. And, and um, I, I actually, I'm like you, I'm kind of glad I got to be part of that, that bloodline and that roots into me. And I got to instill that into my son and then my kids. And, but it, it's a different day today. And, you know, with social media and about the big bucks and, and you want to talk about big bucks. I know you killed a lot of meat and ate a lot of meat, but brother, you actually killed a lot of big racks too now. Yeah, George, I tell you, I, uh, gosh, I don't even know, you know, over the years, uh, of course, I, I, I think what I'm most proud of is, is most all the bucks that all the bigger deer that I've been that I took over the years, I've been able to document on video. And, and I, you know, I got into running cameras back in the seventies when VHS came out and we had the top loaders and you strapped them on your back and then the camera plugged into it. That's how far back I've been videoing. <laughs> and I got intrigued by that. And it was, it was more about the video. I passed up some good opportunities because it's always been about the video first and foremost. And, I do that because I want to share that particular hunt with somebody and hopefully they pick something up. But man, you talk about being blessed, especially with a bow, George, about everything that I've ever taken. Um, and there again, you know, looking, looking around here, I don't know how many Pope and young whitetails I've been able to take over the years, but then I, I, I think I've got over 80 mounts now. Um, 11 of those are. Boone and Crockett class wow. white tails that I've taken with a bow and two of them over 200 inches. So, you know, I just have just been blessed. And, and, and if you combine that of what I've videoed with all the guys over the years, all the country music stars, 
all the HS truck team, um, buddies that I went out with and, and helped with a hunt. And, of course, you know, working with Larry McCoy and all them boys over the years. We, I mean, I've just been blessed, buddy. I'm, I mean, uh, I, I don't know how else to say it, but I always give the glory to God because the reason I've got to do this, and I always said this, is because through him. It's not that I've been a great white hunter. You know, a lot of this, I think, is what helped me is I don't give up, George. I never take no for an answer. I just keep going. I've always been the guy, the first one up out of bed, the last guy to go to bed, you know. And and it's just the work ethic, and I started all that from the ground up. I agree with that. I've been with you. You are you are definitely a nose to the ground, and uh, you're constantly aware of everything you're doing and making sure, you know, we got camera set right, we're doing this right, and I will say that. And let's, uh, for some of our listeners out there who want to get in more serious in, in the filming and stuff like that, t- tell us how you got, what, what got you involved or who got you involved. And, you know, I, we know that we had the desire to want to hunt, but I'm telling you, to film your own hunt and then to film hunts, it's a totally different game. And it's it, it's a totally different talent. And then be able to hunt and film, it is that's like the, the, the top of the scale. And who, how did you get started and who was probably one of the best influencers to you? Well, I know that, it's, it, you know, looking back, I, I mean, how I got started, I got to, got to say that, I mean, on a professional level, don't get me wrong. I was doing this myself, and I was pretty much a loner um, getting started on this, and then I started videoing some buddies. But Mitch Hagen and Steve Snow, yeah. right there in Steve Snow, Iowa. Yep. When I met those guys in Leon, Iowa, years ago, when they first started allowing non-residents in, into Iowa, I met them, at, and at the time it was the Horn Inn, and it became the Little River Inn, okay? And that's where I met those guys, and they were with Miles Keller. And everybody knows who Miles Keller is, and my opinion is probably maybe the best bow hunter I've ever been around on, on Big Deer. I mean, and I met those guys, and that's how I got started. And we, we tried to start the Pure Adrenaline series when we got serious about this. Don and Candy Kiske were doing it, and uh, and uh, the Drury Brothers were, were doing this as well when they first got started. And Mitch and, and Steve and I and some of the other boys, Jimmy Hansen and Jim Kostrowski, some of us guys, we all had a dream, you know, to maybe start doing this. But uh, Steve Snow and Mitch Hagen were my two, I mean, how I got started, I got hooked up with them, and then we got that footage to HS back years ago, and they liked what they saw, and, and I, I, you know, I was videoing a lot of that footage, and I just basically got my foot in the door running video camera through that, and uh, that's that's how I got started, buddy. I mean, to, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know and meeting the right people at the right place. And, you know, digital technology was starting to come out. I'd already videoed several hunts, don't get me wrong, but not to the level of professionalism like you expected from hunter specialists. And I learned a lot. And Pat Reeve back then, you know, Pat and I were working together. And I honestly learned a lot from Pat Reeve. Um, I was running the smaller digital cameras. Pat was always, <laughs> always told Pat, I said, dude, you, you, you like the cameras that cost the most. It, it, you know, he had to have the biggest, baddest, bestest cost the most. You know what I'm saying? I, and I say that in, a, in humor because he, he is one of the best I've ever been around. I'll just tell you that right now. And Pat and I ran together. I learned a lot from Pat uh, to kind of tone things up. And I would hope that he learned a few things from me as well. But with all that being said, that's how I got my foot in the door uh, in the hunting industry. But uh, Steve Snow and Mitch Hagen, I have to say, was a huge, huge part of me getting started and, and give me the opportunity to work with them to get the pure <laughs> adrenaline series videos out. And th- that was back in the VHS days. Yeah, I can, they were, uh, they were buddies for quite a while, weren't they? Mitch and 
Steve. Oh, and, and Phil Orgut, gosh, I just don't get the opportunity to see him and, and talk to him, but they're they're incredible hunters. I, I, Steve Snow was probably, if somebody had to, if I somebody said, hey, who's the best hunter you've ever hunted whitetail around? Man, I'm going to tell you right now, Steve Snow is going to be right right there as far as going in and setting up. And, of course, you're only as good as the places you hunt. And Steve has developed properties up there that's unbelievable there in Iowa. But uh, the one guy that stands out for me, you know, is is Miles Keller. And he was always quiet-natured and stuff. And Miles was getting up there in age. But, uh, man, he was a huge influence. And I got to be around him some anyway. And, uh, you know, we, we shared some hunts and stuff together over the years in Kansas and in Iowa. And uh, uh, I've been blessed about getting, that kind of got my foot in the door there. And uh, um, I was trying to think of Terry's last name, and you may know who I'm talking about, uh, from Illinois. Terry, uh, he's done a lot of stuff with Matthews Bowes. I can't Mm. think of his last name. I went blank. But Terry is the guy that we met that got us set up through hunter specialists years ago, Steve mentioned I, and of course they they became part of the uh, of the primetime buck series, you know, and stuff. Of course, I got more involved because I went to work full time for HS. But for a long time, when back then, uh, I I self I mean I uh, I basically subcontracted six months out of the year for several years there with HS before I came full time, and then. Uh, around the, I can't even remember, 2000 or so, something like that, I, I became full-time with HS, and I, I had, uh, I think, all together working with them six, about 16 wonderful years and got to video and be around so many good people. And I'm very blessed that Dave and Carmen Forbes, the original owners of Hunter Specialties, which uh, they sold, you know, the company got sold, but I'm, I'm very blessed that Dave and Carmen Forbes give me that opportunity to, to go to work for Hunter Specialties. That was a big break in your life, wasn't it? It was absolutely a, a, a dream come true because at that time when I went, when I was working with Hunter Specialties, they were they were king. They were in all the you know the WalMarts, the Bass Pros, Cabela's, Sportsman's, everything. Um, you know Gander Mountains. We we went all over done doing seminars all over the country. You know, and I worked with the greatest pro staff. Holy smokes, look at look at all the guys that they had. And we drove those yellow and green trucks. And by the way, George, I still have the 98 Chevy out here. Uh, the big four-door full-size. It's a, it's a one-ton 3,500. Um, and I, I've got that truck out here, the old yellow green machine, I call it. And uh, it's got uh, almost 400,000 miles on it but it's still running seriously i can <laughs> tell you i don't know if you remember but it's been my goodness this had to be 10 years ago and maybe not more um i happened to be out here in iowa we were doing some goose hunting and a little filming of goose hunting with a good friend of mine and from des moines area and we drove down south of there and, and i'm trying to remember it's, it's the shaman brothers is that shaman shaman <laughs> Same, Wade and Tony Simon. Yeah, and I. Yeah, I happened to. We went, drove by, and I looked, and I seen that green and yellow truck. I said, "Hey, man, pull back. That's an H and S truck." And we pulled back in. <laughs> I had no idea who, who we where they were. I, of course, my buddy knew them. And uh, but I said, "Let's pull in there." And I said, "I'm gonna go introduce myself." And there you were, I think, trying to sight in a muzzleloader. And uh, that was the first yep. time we met face to face. Yep. Um, I th- well, actually, Rick White was actually doing the hunting. I was doing the video, and Rick was uh, sighting in his muzzleloader. We were sighting, sighting them in out there, and that was uh, Thunder Ridge Outfitters out there waiting Tony Samen. That was it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I'll tell you one of the hunts I enjoyed, too, uh, that uh, you're, you're talking about Mitch and Steve, but uh, there was a, 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 and I don't know who filmed it, probably was Steve that filmed it, but Mitch shot that big eight point that he shot that came in. Oh, gosh, yeah. oh my gosh, come in doing that deep grunting and come underneath him. Then today, that still, that's, and I'm not even in the tree stand, but that, you know, when I watch that video, that still gets my heart pumping. You know, that was a toad. Oh. Yes, he was. And that was a, an actual new piece of property that we had up there that those boys had there. And, uh, yeah, I. Uh, 
I'm not sure who, who videoed that. Steve probably did because Steve and Mitch switched off quite a bit. And then, of course, I ran in there and videoed back and forth there as well. But, uh, uh, yes, and that was an that, that body of that deer, he was a mega giant. Buddy. Oh, he was, he was enormous. Giant. And you mentioned about Steve yeah. managing property. Uh, last I knew, uh, I knew a guy over there by Leon who uh, knew him real well. And I th- and he drove, and I've seen, you know, drove by the property, but isn't there a big, like, 4,000 acres called the Berry property? Yes, and that used to be Don and Candy Kiske's original property, and then Ron Skaronski bought that from Don and Candy, and uh, when I was doing a lot of hunting up there and stuff there, see, Steve managed that property and stuff there and took care of it and i and as far as i know he still lives there i'm not sure but uh and manages that property for the berries and i'll tell you right now the berries have killed some giants but you know st- let, let me just say that steve's probably hung every single stand and everything that they've been successful in i mean steve knows the properties he's a hard-working dude buddy um and uh, yeah i mean I, I, like I say, I, when it comes to big deer, old, old snowman ain't no telling how many old big, big booners that that, that boy's taking up. I mean, I'm telling you, he's killed some giants up there. Or how and, many he's uh, glassed you know, in that glassed in this Iowa and some of the Iowa giants he's glassed during his lifetime. I guarantee you. Oh my! You know what, Philip? Yeah. And, and, and like I said, you got a, a lot of wall hangers yourself, and and a lot of deer, but. What is probably you know your top three or four whitetail hunts that uh, you can think of and and that you videoed that, that that probably stand out in your mind? You mind telling us about that? Well, I mean, obviously, what put me on the map and what really, I mean, I guess it was back in the day. Now, when when uh, internet and stuff was just getting started, I can't remember. It was uh, one of the uh, I was, I, I'm kind of lost here. I can't remember the name of it, but it was a, a, a website that, that people got on a chat room, if you will. And um, I know that uh, it was a big thing back then. And they they voted my deer that I shot, that big double drop time, oh, was voted at that time. Was, you know, a 200-inch deer was very, very rare. And by the way, I shot that on Steve Snow's property the very first year he purchased that property. We spent a lot of time up there. It, it, he's really got three drop times, and he's been very much recognized at Buckmasters and several articles I've done over the years and, and stuff there. But the double drop time was what put me on the map. That's got to probably be my all-time hunt. I shot it on my mother's birthday on October the 29th. That was in 2006, by the way, is how long ago that's been. And it was on Sunday, which, you know, on the Lord's Day, if you will. And uh, But that's probably got to be my, my all-time favorite hunt. Uh, that I've got, and, and it's such a good hunt. If anybody's ever seen it on Primetime Bucks 11, um, Josh Wright, young kid, videoed that for me, and he was a good hunter himself. He he was in the tree with me, and it was very special. And we took it on Steve's property. And by the way, that new property he bought, Steve shot two 200 inch deer. I filmed one of them, and uh, Isaac filmed the other one. And then I shot that big deer, and I videoed another deer on the property we don't know what happened to. Never, I'm the only person that ever got to see him alive, but I videoed him. But there was at least 400, four 200-inch deer on that property That's that amazing. year. It was amazing. Now, and, Isaac, uh, yeah. Isaac, wasn't that yep. Steve's son? Yes, Isaac is Steve's son, yep. yep. And uh, matter of fact, he did, I'm not sure if he still manages it, but he managed a piece of property in Missouri that the Berries had. And I don't know how it stands. I, I don't know the whole circumstances. I just remember that they sent me a picture of it. And I believe the Berries shot a deer on that Missouri property, which was just across the Iowa line. It was like 250 inches or 255, <laughs> I think. 255 gross. It was just a mega giant. But that's Isaac down there managing that property and stuff. I mean, he's a chip off the old block himself, buddy. Yeah, he, I mean, the, ap- you know, the acorn didn't yeah. fall far from the tree, did it? No, sir, it did. 
So but you know you end up this, you shoot a 200 inch deer, which is 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 a trophy. But then to shoot not one drop time, two drop times, and you said he had the third. I mean, what a what a yeah, mega giant, a, a buck of a lifetime. Did you know that buck was there? I mean, were you utilizing trail cameras then? Um, what was your scouting? I mean, had, had no, did you know the, the buck was there? Setting out there was the big camera out there in that hundred degree heat in the evenings, waiting for that sun to go down in July and August. I spent a lot of time up there on Steve's property filming, and I get in. We, you know, we tried to get it to a vantage point, you know, where we would be right on top of them, but sometimes we were. And, uh, you know, some old shooting houses, things like that, or getting up on a ridge and where you could shoot down on them. But the deer that I shot, the 200-inch deer, we never saw that deer. I did have video footage of the one Steve shot that I videoed, the 200-incher. Uh, I did manage to get him on there. Uh, a couple evenings, I think, back in the summer. And the other buck that Steve shot uh, that went over 200 inches, we never saw him. We never saw him before Steve killed him. It, it's, it's truly amazing. And I spent a lot of time out there. I mean, a lot. Several, several hours logged in and trying to learn the properties, like getting the food sources in. But, uh, you know, and, and it, it was all new to us, for sure. But now I did have an encounter with the 200-incher before the double drop before I shot him uh, about a week and a week ahead, and I rattled that rascal in, and I had a decoy. He did not commit to the decoy. I had some other bucks commit to it, but he did. He just, it's like he smelled a rat, and it was a little too thick, and I passed the shot, and I was heartbroken, and we saw the footage and stuff, and I went back in about a week later, uh, when all the conditions were right, and I walked about another full half a mile or so, maybe three-quarters. Me and Josh did about two hours before daylight. We only had one stand that we, Steve, uh, Steve and I and Josh had hung back in the summer, um, and we only had one stand, so we had to carry a stand in. We liked to not found the tree, and we got in there, and lo and behold, the first rattling sequence, I rattled the double drop in, and... You know, and and there was he was on me for I forgot how many seven seven or eight minutes right there within shooting range, and he was uh, he was so alert. Of course, I'd rattle him in. He was looking for a buck, and he's starting to smell a smell a rat. I think when I finally got an arrow in him, but I had him there for over seven minutes. I'm telling you what, George, my heart about pounded <laughs> completely out of my chest. Yeah. It was uh, it was racking, but it's. That deer, and then I've got, you know, obviously I've got a couple more. Um, I guess the next next one real close to that would be the Obsession buck. The one that in I Arkansas? Shot right in Arkansas, right here in, in my backyard. Yeah, that was um, a toad. Where I took my first Pope and Young back in 1990. Now, I'd shot a lot of deer over the years, but with a bow, it was my first Pope and Young, and I, I won the Arkansas Big Buck Classic that year in 1990, um, had the largest bow kill, okay, and uh, that year in the archery division, I, I got that, it was third overall, but I shot a deer in 1990, and then 30 years later, basically, I shoot Obsession 50 yards from, and I went to to get in the tree that I, and my old pegs were still in the tree. So, um, the tree stand, somebody stole my tree stand years ago there, but my pegs were still in the tree and I was going to get in it, but the old tree was eyes just a little bit, it looked like it was kind of dying off, but I hung this set and this is where I killed the buck obsession, which you can still watch that video. And, and we don't have deer like this where I'm at in the mountains here. I'm right in the heart of the Ozarks. That deer grossed out at 185 inches. He's a mainframe 10 point. And to this day, he's probably the biggest frame whitetail that I've ever killed. And I killed him right here at home in my backyard. Oh, he was I'm amazing. It wasn't part of the story. That I, I remember talking to you back and forth, and, and when you were trying to kill, you were after that buck. But uh, didn't you? Yes. One night you went and watched a basketball game. You want you were gonna hunt, and you were but you oh, went yes. in and watched a basketball game, and that buck walked right by your tree stand when you was watching the game. The the crazy thing about that my, that was uh, my 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 nephew was a senior, and he was an unbelievable ball player, and. Uh, 
I uh, he wanted me to go watch him play and video him and he's he said Uncle Phil I'm gonna try to get a dunk or two in there for you you know <laughs> so you can video it slow motion <laughs> and he begged me to come and and that night while I'm sitting there videoing his ball game my phone goes off and of course I had a cell camera there and right I knew it. I told Rhonda, I said, you know, he's going to show up for the first time. And, I mean, my phone went off, and there he was, right in front of my tree stand, probably 15 yards, in this little pinch point there in, in, in the back of a little grown-up. It had been a grown-up field there, and I put a little food plot in there that some buck was. And, dude, I'm telling you, my heart, I, I thought that probably the only time and that was early October, and I thought, man, that would be the only time I ever get a chance to shoot him. But I ended up self-videoing the hunt right there on October the 20th. It was the first day of muzzleloader season here, and I'm I'm in hunter orange and everything. But this is the crazy thing. <laughs> My, uh, I, I, I mean, of course, I called TJ right off the bat, and he was ecstatic for me. You know, we're on the phone. I couldn't even talk. I was so choked up and my emotions were so I couldn't even talk and I was about half crying tears of joy and and I couldn't couldn't talk when I was sitting there trying to talk to him on the phone and then I called Rhonda and here's the crazy thing she got she knew that I shot obsession before I called her because the the cell camera picks me up as I stand up you can see me in the background with the buck there. Then the next picture is he's right there in front. And the third picture is when I shot, I angled it up and he was quartering pretty hard. And I thought that I must have hit the backbone or something. But I literally, I don't know why it happened, but I ran the arrow up in him, up in the lungs as he's quartering hard. And that deer fell right there. <laughs> right there. I didn't have to do any tracking or anything. And you get and, and the cell uh, camera got pictures? The cell camera got me standing up, coming to full draw. The next picture is me and the buck in the same frame. And the third one is the buck laying there expired, if you will, or dead, right in front of the trail camera. Well, I'm glad you told me that because I will make sure I never hunt your tree stand with the camera in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I had it over there in that little pinch point there where they were coming out, and that's where I got the trail camera pictures. But, you know, I had three years history with that, that big guy. Oh, yeah. Really, four, uh, for, but three that I documented, and, I, and I've got, uh, I found a pair of sheds, but he was just nocturnal. And, I mean, he's truly an amazing typical. He's my best typical. Wasn't the year uh, before you had a great video of him? I mean, it was just ast astonishing. But wasn't he an eight-point deer, or was he still a 10 yes, before? The, the year before. Uh, I, I, yeah, the year before. And I'm, I, and I'm not so sure that his times weren't longer and that his frame was actually bigger than And why, for some reason... He would have been an eight-point, clean eight-point that whole time. And then, and I'm still not sure if he was six-and-a-half or seven-and-a-half, 100% when I shot him, but I think he was six-and-a-half. And at five-and-a-half, when I think with that big, huge frame that he had, I think he was a, a gross booner as an eight-point. I mean, oh, he yeah. was a clean eight-point, and my Lord, did he have a frame. I mean, yeah, I still got that video clip on the trail camera you know and that was that was the one and only clip that i got and that was like i think august the 8th and i never got another another video that's the crazy thing he, his range from what people told me after i shot this deer other people that had him on trail camera and of course that was on august the 8th and i still think they were bumped up probably from guys out there mowing mowing their fields or something or baling hay in other words or bush hogging and pushed that deer and because he had other bucks with him but it was weird that it was like in the middle of the day like two o'clock and of course it was in the big part of the timber um but that was the only only picture i had i mean and i then after that i would get one 
once a month or so. He was so sporadic and always nocturnal in the at least in the areas that I <laughs> that I had him on trail camera. I never. Uh, the, the year that I finally took him, I started getting him in daylight. But I, I put those food plots in, and and I think that made a difference. And, and we are a feed state, and and I put a little bit of feed out. I'm using backwoods attraction products and stuff now for the animals. But uh, and but he was. I tell you what, George's teeth was wore down so bad. I think that he liked the food plot and would come in and eat that just because his teeth were really worn down. Um, I, I couldn't believe how bad I've never killed a deer that was worn down as bad as his teeth. So I honestly can't say how old he was, but I feel like he was definitely in his prime when I took him. Now, didn't you say that there was an up and coming young one that that was gonna you thought was you know in that same bloodline that had you had another good one? Did that ever? Did you oh. ever see him? Don't know what happened to that buck. Rhonda, you know, I tried to get her on it because she wanted, um, yep. Um, and he had that same frame, but I still to this day don't know um, what happened to him. We never had him on trail camera last year. The year before, I had him on there a couple times. The problem is this is such a big, huge area where I'm at, and we don't have agriculture. You know, we don't have beans and corn and all that stuff. I mean, what little fields and stuff we have, it's, it's mainly old fescue grass and stuff or whatever that, that the, you know, the farmers bail up for their cattle. But it's not, you know, we, we just don't have the quality of dirt and soil like the Midwest does either. That's what makes this deer so special that taken in this area. And, and to this day, he's the biggest deer typical that I've ever had on me here in my in my home state by far well you, you know, know we, get, you, we see that your wife Rhonda there she she's no slouch either she's been doing pretty good killing animals and shooting turkeys and stuff and are you filming her hunts oh yes oh yes and i'm gonna tell you something that girl george took to i mean this deer obsession is why i was gone you know on the road videoing for the virtue and everything and uh, my show and stuff of being gone so many different places she was here at home and i got her started running those trail cameras and checking them when we we discovered that we had such a good deer here to, to hunt and chase and that got her into hunting her checking those trail cameras got her all excited she said you know i'm 55 years old i'm ready to start hunting <laughs> well let me just tell you she's 100 percent, george and she is she's got that old crossbow and I mean to tell you, she's deadly with it. Turkeys and deer, she has wore them out. I don't think she's ever, I don't know that she's ever missed anything that she shot at. Well, I, I, mean, don't, want you, I don't want you to <laughs> brag too much on your film and your wife because uh, my wife, I got her into hunting and she's going to fire me because she said I'm the worst cameraman. And I, you know. <laughs> I, I go out with good and I'm telling you, my heart is in the right place. I go out with good intentions to film, and I and I actually carry a camera and look like I know what I'm doing. But when the animal's coming in, either it's a turkey or it's the white tail, I put the, I'm all about the kill, and that's you know I'm in my whole life, and I either have to grab right. a grunt call to make sure I can stop him, or I have to get on the turkey to to make sure, and she. Uh, did you get that? She said that was great, and she's a great shot. And I have to look at her. And said, "No, I don't think so." <laughs> so she said she's about ready to fire me. She said this year will be three strikes, and I'm out. <laughs> she 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 would probably flip out if she saw how many tra uh, cameras that I run on my setups and and stuff. And and uh, and last couple years, I videoed my my hunts there in Kansas, and I killed a couple really. Uh, bucks that i've had history with really nice bucks and uh and uh i tell you it's it's an art in itself to get everything that you need and i hardly ever have to do any there's there's really no recreates or stage scenes in the stuff that i do because the way i set everything up it's live in there it's the way it happened it's i'm, I'm keeping it real in other words yeah. how many you cameras know, you set up philip well, it depends on the setups, but now in our, in our turkey setups this spring, uh, uh, running and stuff, I probably have at least a half a dozen cameras. Oh. 
because I'm trying to get every angle on the decoys and and I, I shoot a slow-mo a 4k camera and then you know a POV camera on myself and then whatever angles that I can get out there on the decoys and I kind of do that with the white tails it's a little more tricky on the big deer because of their nose oh absolutely but, uh, I love you know I love rattling and grunting and decoying that's my big thing with the white tails and stuff there and uh, but uh George, I also, I guess, another big deer. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping around here on you, but, you know, just talking about special moments. And, and I shot another deer in Kansas that uh, there are Triple H outfitters there in Kansas uh, out there on a little small piece of property. It was a late season hunt, and that's a good time to take, in my opinion, to take a top quality big deer that got by as you get them on the food sources. And uh, I did. I would manage to shoot another gross 200 in in Kansas up there. Now he's not like the double drop time. The du- double drop time is more of a typical frame. With he's got 15 scoreable points, but he's got nine and a half, ten inch drop times on each side. Then they're perfectly even. And then he's got that one coming off there toward the, toward the front of his main beam that drops down. It's probably I don't know three or four inches long. Um, but then, like my Kansas deer, uh, I called him Dagger. He's got 25 scoreable points that's over an inch long. And he's, you know, he's a 165, 170-inch mainframe 10-point with a lot of junk. He's got really good mass at the base and stuff. But he's he, he don't look like a 200-inch deer it's just because he's got so many you know, dagger points there that, you know, that add up, you know, and it don't take long. I think he's got like 32 inches of uh, non-typical points, you know, on top of his main score there. So, uh, but gosh, I've been blessed, George, George, my goodness. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at some of the bucks I've got upstairs. And of course, my den is just totally, I don't, I, I don't have any places to put anything anymore. Um it's crazy to say, but I mean, it's, you know, and I've always tried to mount a, a good quality buck that if he gives his life on camera, I feel I owe it to him. Right. Well, you know what you have, you killed some monsters, but I got a couple good stories. I want to, I'm going to kind of, I'd like to elaborate with you on one. I can remember you and I hunting with Jeremy McCarty and it was turkey right. se- yeah. in turkey season there. And you and I have never, ever reaped a turkey in our life. And uh, old Jeremy, right. and Jeremy, man, he he was he was the king of that stuff, and he found a couple gobblers for That's us. Right. And, uh, you and I took off, and we had uh, Colt. We had I think there was a couple guys filming behind us, and you were we had a fan each. We had a shotgun. You're carrying a camera, and you and I are belly crawling <laughs> across this field, probably a hundred yards at least. And it, the sun was out, and I remember looking at you. You're huffing and puffing and sweating, and you're trying to carry all this stuff. And I started giggling. I said, "Buddy, I'm telling you what. If you pass out, I sure as heck ain't gonna give you mouth to mouth." And we crawled up, and them doggone turkeys. They kind of hung out there a little bit, but we had a jake. We had the hens walk around our feet, and I sat there, and, and it didn't come. You wanted him to get right on top of the fan, and I had after we laid there long enough, we had one about 20 yards, and he was so close. Of course, I'm laying with one arm and trying to shoot my shotgun with one arm with a scope. I raised it up, and I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to shoot him, and I shot that booger and missed, and I remember you giggled and said, you missed, and I said, I'll heck with that, and I raised up on one knee and put that diamond in that scope above that turkey as he's running straight away. Shot him at 70, 70 yards exactly in, in Florida. I know it. I started to say it was a poke. <laughs> and never moved. And, that and, but that was quite, you know, here you and I belly crawling across that. But I think the most memorable hunt that uh, you and I, I, I got to hunt with you on your first waterfowl hunt and TJ and, we all met up down there in Arkansas, and what was the boy's name? The guy's name that we stayed with? Tony Ramsey. Oh my gosh, his wife was the best cook. Tony. We ate like kings, didn't we? Absolutely. Oh my and, gosh. And uh, it's funny you said that. I talked to Tony back, and you know he loves that turkey hunting. But boy, weren't they some great hosts down there for us there, and taking care of us? Oh my gosh, and he was an incredible mouth caller without a diaphragm. 
Oh, no, yeah, natural voice. Oh, I, I, I've never heard anybody any better, have you? No, I mean, voice? he was amazing. And, uh, but we got, he, we, he uh, kind of said, it was that Wiener, Arkansas, wasn't it? Wiener, Arkansas, that's right. Yeah, and we, uh, but you got to go out and you were doing some filming. I remember you and TJ and, and, and uh, when we were getting in the blind that first morning there at George Washington's um, place there yeah, at yeah. Whistling Oaks, I think yeah. it's called. And we went out there and we got in the blind that morning. You guys are getting your camera out. And well, I knew you guys filmed turkey and, and, and a lot of whitetail, but I'm looking around and say, hey, you know, you guys ever film waterfowl? And nope. And I just kind of giggled. So well, you're in for a treat. And I'll tell you what, when them, <laughs> when them ducks come soaring past that blind, it was a different world trying to film waterfowl, wasn't it? Oh, buddy, I tell you what, though. But man, I tell you right now, waterfowl, my opinion, just because of the challenge, is one of the funnest things I've ever videoed. Though, I, I, George, I, I, you know, I had a great time and 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 stuff there. But I love videoing that stuff. My goodness, it's you know, it's so action packed, you know. Absolutely. And, uh, it, 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 we did it. We and we got we got a really really good episode. Matter of fact, I need to dig that episode up and probably rerun that sometime. Boy, we had such a good time on that, and then uh, on that episode. But I guess I, I I may be spilling the beans, but uh, you know, there's only you only get one first, and because of you, with your unbelievable waterfowl calling which I don't know how many of you guys out there, if you know George Lynch, you know what an amazing waterfowler, hunter, and, and caller that he is. But, you know, you, you guys surprised me because I, I wasn't expecting to hunt. Now, I was wanting to do this for TJ and, and Dwayne at the time. They're just, you know, to kind of – and have you down there, is obviously, as the special guest because of your uh, knowledge of, of waterfowl and, and – George, honestly, that was one of the best trips that a guy could ever ask for. The problem was it was just too short. But I'm going to let you tell the rest of the story well, about my first. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right, buddy. I'm, I'm telling you what, we we laughed, we ate like kings. We had great hosts. Yep. We seen a lot of birds, and, and we got to hunt some of the Arkansas's finest. But uh, the, yep. the, the, our, the camaraderie, the company, I mean, we, we laughed so hard constantly in that blind yep. and um we you know and having action and uh i'll never forget that being able to, I, I was right behind your shoulder watching you shoot your first drake mallard and and he come in and folded up and coming in and you busted that thing and um that remember that gun rocking you a little bit but i, I when that mallard went down you were so excited you had thought that was a 200 inch whitetail and when you went out there and came back and had that duck, I mean, you were prouder than a a, a, a rotten buck, buddy, with that with that. Well, it, it was so special, you know. Just you, you, I mean, you you put him right in my lap, obviously, with the calling, and and to have you guys around, you know, it it, it was one of those godly moments that you have in life, and you, you only get that first one time. You know, exactly. and that's the first time I'd ever pulled the trigger on on a waterfowl, and it meant the world to me that of all the, the people I was surrounded by, you, you know, it was just such a special moment. Yeah, it, it was a special moment, and you know what? The, the, kudos to you. You know, here's a, you haven't shot a lot with, with wing shooting with a shotgun, and and I think you might have been shooting my Beretta, but. Uh, you know, you were shooting, but you put the shot on and put the hurt and tipped his toenails, and and uh, it was a great hunt. Now, do you remember the hunt that we did? Um, it was after TJ's accident. I think it might have been the first hunt that we did after his accident. Um, it was there in, in, in yeah. Illinois in that late season, and we had to walk out waders and bust ice to go stand out there to hunt them ducks, and them ducks never moved, but... I'll never forget, dude. I mean, I, I'm pretty hardcore, but I was I was ready to go get some food or get out and get warm. And TJ, bless his heart, he was just so thankful to God to be back and be able to hunt. That boy never came out of that freezing water all day. He stayed there and said, "Well, you know, 
I know. No, you're right. I mean, it was an amazing moment. And, and to watch him, you know, you could just see the glow in his eyes and, and stuff there. And I'll never forget, too, George, I had all that camera equipment out there in that water. And I about froze because my my insulated bibs, I think they were lacrosse, but they weren't insulated. Oh, my <laughs> and gosh. I'm telling you, buddy, she was cold. <laughs> I tell you, Philip, that was one of the coldest I've ever been. Uh, hunting. I mean, that was just, you were in that freezing. And like I said, we went out there and we were busting ice with our fist and, you know, with our feet walking out there to get to that spot. And, uh, man, that was very cold. And, and uh, TJ got his first snow goose and I got to be part of that. And, you know, that, that's, that's, that's the thing, you know, about hunting is, you know, being able to be part of, it isn't about the piles of birds or, or the trophies on the wall. It's about the experience with friends being in God's creation and, you know, being able to be part of your first duck and being a part of TJ and something that was first. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I got to be part with my wife and, and her killing her, the first two geese she ever killed in her life, both were banded, you know, and, and then being able to sit over her shoulder and watch her kill two of her bucks. And that is in, that's the experience that, that that's memories. You know, there's hunts that we've killed, probably piled the birds that I probably don't even remember. But those hunts like that will be etched in my memory for a lifetime. Well, you're exactly right. And any time that you uh, can be a part of a hunt, and I think you and I realize it now that we're older, just how much we appreciate sharing hunt camps and telling stories and visiting with new people that's in a hunt camp and things like that. We, we're, we've been truly blessed because all those memories and moments that we get to share, it's, it's, it's priceless. You can't put a price on it. And, you know, George, I, I don't hunt a specific buck like I used to. Kansas is about the only place that I really try to, uh, got a little piece of property up there and in the last, well, matter of fact, TJ shot the first deer off my lease, uh, a buck that I wouldn't at the time, I wouldn't have shot. He was a four and a half year old deer, but he, I mean, he's 167 inch deer <laughs> at yeah. four. And, you know, T, but to watch TJ, what he got out of that just meant, meant the world to me as far as, you know, I, I, I told him when, when I took out, you know, I've been working on the property trying to get it managed where I can get some quality bucks on there. And that was the first buck ever taken off that property, and TJ got to take him. It was, it was a blessing. And then, then right after that, uh, then I got to shoot. George, I've been blessed. You know, talking about drop time bucks, I've shot five drop time bucks in my life. I've been blessed about shooting drop times. I don't know what it is, and uh, I actually got three double drop time bucks. Can you believe that? No, I can't. That's that, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, you. It's it's incredible. The good Lord has blessed you in in your lifetime and your journeys. And for our listeners out there, Philip, those who want to follow you, um, you you've got the virtue and and stuff. Can you kind of elaborate what you got going for those who want to follow you? Well, sure. Uh, you know, you can follow Philip Vanderpool on Facebook or in the virtue the virtue tv uh basically on facebook and instagram you can find us on there but uh i just uh getting ready to start up the fall here on pursuit channel i'm really excited about it because monday nights it's going to be 10 p.m eastern 9 p.m central i come on right after my old buddy kip campbell there of red arrow tv yeah and uh i'm doing pursuit and and then obviously I've been on Carbon TV I think longer than anybody now. Going, I'll be going into my tenth year, but uh, wow. uh, with Carbon TV, which it's a free app, you can get it on your phone there. You know, Carbon TV, and then also Hunt Channel uh, is another place that I, with my old buddy Merrill Sport there, Hunt Channel is another great opportunity there for me. But it's uh, it's been incredible. Um, uh, an incredible journey for me there, but I'd love to, you know, people let us know, you know, you follow us on, like I say, on Instagram and Facebook, George, and, uh, my goodness, you know, we, we, we try to keep it real. I try to, if I've got a mess or I got to screw up, I try to show people and hopefully, you know, I can entertain, inspire and educate them and inform them 
you know, <laughs> don't do as I do, do as I say if I pull a screw up. But uh, we try to keep it real. That's the whole thing. Well, I've uh, traveled with, with, I've show, traveled with you, buddy. I've traveled with you and been in restaurants and had people come up, recognize you and, you know, young kids and, and stuff who had followed you and from your H&S days or watch you on TV. And you got a great following and, and a great respect from people out there. I've got a good respect for you and hope you that, uh, you know, the doors are always open up here in Iowa for you to come up. And if you ever want to waterfowl hunt and, and, uh, and you know, so I didn't say deer hunt. I said waterfowl hunt. <laughs> Buddy, we just need to need to keep in contact more and more because we're getting older and stuff. And I'd love to meet your wife sometime, and I'd love to her to meet Rhonda. You know, absolutely. And, stuff, lady, and just, just hang out and you know, and and just spend some quality time together, visiting. You know, and catching up on all of it. Because I know George, you've had, since you moved to Iowa, buddy, you've been laying them old sad daddies in the shade, brother. Well, I just kind of been quiet a little bit. I just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 when I, when I can shoot my first 200 inch, maybe I'll get, I'll get excited. Cause man, I'll tell you what it, that shooting a 200 inch whitetail, that's, it's, you know, shooting a good whitetail, a Boone and Crockett is once in a lifetime, but a 200 inch deer is, it's just, that is hitting 70 home runs in a season. You know, it's just something that only happens once in a while. And you've, you've turned that four leaf clover a few times and that's, I respect that. But you know what people don't realize, man? Again, like you said, they didn't come knocking at your front door. You work your tail off. I mean, you spend a lot of hours, the hours that you spend in, and the miles that you travel, the uh, restaurant, you know, on the road food that you've ate. I mean, it's it, it's it's a dedication. It's, it's hard work. And, um, you know, and the good Lord has blessed you for, but it, it didn't come easy. I mean, like I said, I've hunted with you. It, it's hard work. Well, and I'm not blessed. I'm not been blessed to own a big piece of property. I think is that's the one thing that you know I, I feel blessed. It's about being you know being around the right people, like a Steve Snow, which you know taking my first one on, and then hunting up there uh, with Donovan and them guys, and then I actually shot the deer on a good friend of mine's place there at the time, and uh, uh, right there you know in Kansas, so. And then this deer here at home just being special right in my backyard. I mean, I, di I didn't actually own, I've got some property here, stuff, but I don't actually own the property I shot Obsession on, but I had quit hunting it for years, and I got the property back, and it's just right here in my back door. And uh, and I got the opportunity to uh, start hunting it again uh, like I wanted to and to kind of keep an eye on it. And it's just, you know, you, you've got to pass the Georgia. It's discipline, buddy. And you know as well as I do to shoot big deer. And, and, and by the way, I, I need to clarify this. You know, my 200-inch deer, both of my deer and, and, and all the booners I've shot, those are gross. I'm giving you gross scores. I don't care anything about entering them in a book or anything like that. I mean, that's great. If, you know, if a guy takes one, I understand. You know, that's a, a big feat. No doubt. It's just... It's, I just keep up with the grow score, and it's a way of me telling you when they ask you how big the deer is, you got an idea of what kind of deer you just shot. When I tell you it's a 160 or 180 inch deer, you kind of get an idea. But I don't do it to enter them in the books, uh, just so you know. I'm 100% with you, brother. I mean, I never entered my deer. I don't know how many Pope and Youngs I got, but I go on grow score. I go with the, the amount of bone that God gave them, um, and that's what I go on. And I'm like you, it kind of gives you an idea of what he's got, and, and and that's just the way it is. But, Philip, I tell you what, brother, I appreciate you taking time out, and you tell that lovely Rhonda that we said hi, and and uh, like I said, the door's open for you guys. You ever make a chance to come up here, and you can watch this old redneck ride, ride a horse up here. My wife's a big – she's got me into horses, Philip, and I'm a big horse person well, now. I wanted to get along good because Rhonda's got – got a horse here and she rides all the that's her baby <laughs> oh my gosh Pops, we call it. oh god yeah big time <laughs> well my yeah. wife my horse my wife's horses yeah my wife's horses get more attention than i do but i appreciate it buddy <laughs> well folks that's gonna wrap it up for this week's episode and hope you all enjoyed it and, and if you enjoyed it i ask you to try to subscribe to it 
We're on several platforms, and if you have any questions about past, uh, past podcasts and maybe about new topics, you can reach out to uh, George at LegendaryGearUSA.com, or you can message me at George Lynch Hunter on Instagram or, or Facebook. And always remember, hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide. Well, I'll be out there, rain is shining, all a part of the great design. Bring it on, I can never get enough Because that's what legends are made of